This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Everybody's a critic. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Celebration Church. Good to have you with us. Uh, people watching all over the world online, and our, of course our campus is over in Appleton. And Stevens Point, as we are gathering together our first Wednesdays and getting into the Word, a little extra singing, worshiping, and praying, and uh, uh, opportunity for baptisms and stuff. We don't have any baptisms at this campus, but we do over in Stevens Point tonight, so that's great for them. We're excited about new lives being transformed by the sharing of the gospel. Amen. <laughs> so I'm in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is some years ago. Many, many years ago. Pre-cell phone. <laughs> Way back then. And I'm in the airport, you know, and you're watching all these people just running back and forth and back and forth. And I thought, man, I'd, I'd love to just talk to somebody and tell them about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, man, that'd be great. But you, everybody's in a hurry in airports. You know, it's just, you can't be obnoxious and whatnot. And I'm leaning up against a phone booth now, for those of you who are not from the 1800s and don't know what a phone booth is. Before we had these little phones, uh, you go in public places, you needed a phone. There were phone booths everywhere, right? And, and, uh, and there was like a bank of, of phone booths there, and I'm just kind of leaning up against it. And, and I'm our prayer says, Lord, please send me someone I can talk to about you. And I'm leaning against this phone booth, and all of a sudden the phone rings. <laughs> so I figured up that, hello? Yeah, is, is Ralph there? No, there's no Ralph here, but I'm here. I'd love to talk to you. What about? I thought talking about Jesus, just like that. Just a real short little thing. I said, have you ever asked Jesus in your life? No, I haven't. Would you like to? Actually, I would. <laughs> you can't even make this up. So I said, pray with him. So I prayed with him. And he got to say, man, thanks. That was awesome. And I helped the phone out. What are the odds of that happening? So I get the redhead. I said, look, you, you got to give me your answer. What just happened? I was just standing against this fumble. and said, Lord, send me someone to talk to. And as I'm telling her that, the phone rings again. And I pick up the phone, and it was the same guy. He says, is this Martin? I said, yeah. It's like my office. I just told somebody in my office what you just did for me, and they want to ask Jesus in their life too. I said, put them on the line. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Now, does that make me an expert in phone booths? It does not. It doesn't even make me an expert in sharing my faith or how to win someone to Christ, because you know, there's, there's 
fruit you got to work for, and then there's fruit that just falls in your hand, <laughs> the low-hanging fruit. When you're talking to someone for three minutes, they say, yeah, I want to pray. It doesn't matter what you said. You know, I mean, uh, sometimes people say, well, yeah, are, you a, are you a good witnesser when you travel on airplanes? I say, no, 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 no. When I get on an airplane, I turn into a Calvinist. Now, thankfully, most of you don't get that joke at all because you're ex-Catholics and you don't know this thing. But Calvinism is a teaching that believes everyone is born either predestined to go to heaven or hell. So when I get on a plane, I'm a Calvinist, man. You guys are all set. I'm just, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to talk to nobody. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, if you were Calvinist, you'd laugh. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it just happened to be there at the right. Now, we have been doing this series about you asked for it, and we had people give various things. And, uh, you know, we picked some of the top ones. But uh, I, I texted Bob and I says, well, what were some of the other ones? And he was sharing with me some of the other ones. I says, well, maybe I'll just take a shot at some of the other ones as well. So one of them had to do with uh, raising kids and teenagers. And I thought, all right, I think I'll do that tonight. I say, what's your experience? I survived too. That's it. I have no degrees. I'm not sure I know what I'm talking about. I just happened to be by this phone booth and it rang. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just, boom, it happens. And so I'm going to be speaking to you from my experience and, and some scriptures here that I hope will encourage you. Now, before I do this, I thought I would uh, give you uh, my adult teen translation service because adults and teens don't all speak the same language. So I thought I would start by defining terms. So when a teenager goes, yeah, that means yes, and you're an idiot. <laughs> when a teenager says, you don't trust me, that means back down and let me do what I want to do. When a teenager says, everybody else is doing it, it means, let's see just how stupid you really are. <laughs> When a teenager says, I'm going over to my friend's house, see ya, it means I'm actually going somewhere else and I'm not telling you. <laughs> Nothing, which is usually in response to the question, what did you learn in school today? It actually means you are not worthy of the details of my life. <laughs> it's not my fault, which of course means, of course it's my fault, and I just don't want to be responsible. <laughs> And then, this one I heard a lot, Dad, which means, for the love of heaven, stop embarrassing me. And finally, you're the greatest, which is usually spoken after a parent has succumbed to continual whining. You're the greatest, which means, man, you're dumber than I ever imagined. Right. So I'm going to start. I just want to share with you real simply, uh, in answering to this question, some little Again, I'm no expert on this. I had two, and they're still breathing. That's all I know. So, uh, but five things you can do to survive a teenager. All right? Are you ready? Number one, let's look at Proverbs 22.6. It says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, when the scriptures say train, when I was a young Christian, they would talk about this usually in the terms of disciplining, you know, like swatting them on the butt if they're misbehaving, but it's, it's really much more than that. It's about really instructing them. And even more than just 
telling them the truth, but really showing them how to apply it. You need to actually instruct and train them. Uh, one of the biggest problems that happens with uh, children as they start turning into teenagers is parents often stop training too soon. They stop parenting too soon. And you can certainly understand the temptation. Here you have had these little units sucking the life out of your brain for 13 years. They can't do anything without you. Finally, they can get dressed by themselves. They don't just randomly poop their pants anymore. Some of them can actually get themselves to a point and that think is, well, thank God, let them go. Just, and, and, you, and, and I've seen parents who just start stepping into a realm of liberty and freedom, but nay, I say unto thee, nay, keep parenting. Keep paying attention. Keep training them. So, well, I already trained them. No, 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 no. Do you know that even professional athletes, men and women who have been training for years, some of them since they were little children, even professional football players like here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, do you, you would think after all this time they knew what to do, right? They've been training. All, you think they could all become personal trainers, but do you know they still have trainers? Why? It's just the nature of things. If you're going to be really good at something, you've got to keep working on it over and over and over again. And your attention, because you don't see stuff that the trainer will see and point things out. They do these things ad nauseum. I, I think I go nuts. I couldn't do it. But from the time, you know, you're a little guy learning how to tackle. You would think, I got this down. But they're still training them on how to tackle. Right? It's fascinating. People who are great at what they do keep training. Don't stop training. Stay involved in their lives. Just because they don't poop their pants anymore doesn't mean you can't let up. You got to stay on them. I had one parent say to me, well, well I, I just trust my, my children. You're an idiot. Trust, you just let them go by themselves. And I'll talk a little bit more about this, but I'm saying this is just very bizarre. Sometimes they'll try and guilt you out with, well, you don't trust me. You ever hear a teenager say that? You don't trust me. To which you should just laugh and say, you're a teenager. Nobody trusts you, all right? Get over it already. Now, if you were in college or as an adult, you were in a room and you were all taking a test, they don't really need to be watching you, all right? You're adults. The teacher can come in and out of the room. And, well, it doesn't really matter. If a teacher just walks out of a room full of teenagers, it ain't going to be good, all right? It's just the nature of things. They need discipline. They need someone watching them. I know it sounds terrible, but the parent who abdicates his or her responsibility with the flimsy excuse, oh, I trust my children, is just being foolish. Man, we were kids. We loved to go to the parents' house that trusted their kids. <laughs> it was party time. Party! They trust their kids. Woo! 
A teenager given the opportunity will corrupt themselves. And the truth of the matter is it's not just applies to teenagers, it applies to all of us. If you were in a situation where you were, there was no amount of accountability in your life, you'd be a mess, right? If the boss was never there and no one ever checked if you were there on time, who'd go to work on time, you know? I mean, you just kind of randomly go in and out, do whatever you want to do. Everybody has to have some level of accountability. And as a parent, with these little chubby-faced monkeys turning into men and women, you need to stay involved. Keep at it. Don't take your hand off the plow. You have to understand, there are forces from hell that are absolutely determined, determined to destroy your child. You must be vigilant. First Peter Chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, every once in a while, you'll hear some Christians say, well, yeah, the devil's he's just a toothless lion. Trying to talk about their victory in Christ. Well, we do have great victory in Christ, but do not deceive yourself. He is no toothless lion. And if he has the opportunity, he will sink his teeth right into your life and make things incredibly miserable. Let us pay attention. We should be paying attention. Always be on the alert. I have told this to you guys so many times, and I'll keep reminding you. Don't ever think you are above doing anything. Given the right circumstances, anybody is capable of anything. It's just, it is. It is what it is. That's why we pray, keep us from temptation. Jesus warned his disciples, hey, 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 keep praying that you don't fall into temptation. Why? Because if you don't, we'll all fall out. I fall. Everybody falls into it. It's everybody. It's not, it's not unique to one individual. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we all are messed up at one point or the other. We need to pay attention. And certainly, if there is a time where Satan wants to ruin your kid's life, it is usually during those formative years as teenagers. Keep tabs on them. Pay attention to them. Uh, check up on them. You know, when, when uh, <laughs> our kids used to say, you know, oh, we're going over to Bob Gustafson's house. You know, we say, okay. About 45 minutes later, we'd call Bobby's mama. Hey, how's it going? Is Phil over there? No, I don't know where they are. Oh, thank you very much. And then we'd have a come to Jesus meeting. Then it became a problem because they got cell phones and they could answer the phone from anywhere. But then the technology quickly caught up. And the beauty of a cell phone, if you're paying attention, you can track your kid anywhere he goes with that cell phone. Track those little rascals. Where is he at? Oh, he's over at Bob's house. Yeah, let's see if he's actually at Bob's house. Just check on them. You have to pay attention. There's forces pulling on them. Uh, and they want to try and ruin their lives, and they want to ruin your life. It is uh, it's just stunning to me. <laughs> but people don't check. And then crazy and bad things start to happen. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So number one, don't parent stop parenting too soon. And so you got to keep training. And, and my best advice, and this would be for those of you who still have little rascals in your life, 
Uh, don't train on game day. Okay? Everybody at some point is guilty of this. When you are late for getting to school or to church, this is not the time to teach them about punctuality. Are you listening to me? When it's the night before the big test, this is not the time to discuss doing your homework at the proper time. All you're going to do is run into a wall of conflict. Now, I don't mind conflict. Part of me at some sick level actually enjoys it. But, you know, it's just going to be, they're not going to learn anything. And it just makes us a bad coach. When you do, and I used to do this until I started becoming aware of it. You know, when you're coaching on game day, you're a terrible coach. Can you imagine during a football game, the coach has got to go out and start showing the guys how to tackle? They say, okay, okay, well, time, time out. Okay, now, guys, when we get in this formation, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. Okay, let's try it a little bit. Oh, my goodness, the guy would lose his job so fast. You don't train on game. Game days to see what happened after we've been trained. When you get into environments and situations where the heat is on, that's real. I mean, you got to deal with it the best you can, and sometimes there's yelling and everything. It's not the end of the world. But that's not when you train. Train when it doesn't matter. Talk about issues when nobody cares about the issues because they're a lot more open to it. Kids are a lot more open to it. I remember we had problems with Leslie when she was little. She wouldn't get, go anywhere on time and taking forever to get dressed and, you know, and, we're, and then all this conflict. And it just dawned me, you know, this, this is not the time to be doing this. So later that week, it was in the afternoon. Nobody was doing anything. Everybody was happy. I said, hey, Leslie. She said, yeah. We're going to play a game. What's that? I'm going to time you and see how fast you can get dressed in your best clothes. Oh, that's stupid. I know. Let's do it. <laughs> she hated it. And you know what? It went a week or two, and she was never late again. Now, that's your kid might be late for eternity. I don't know. I'm just saying, in her case, all the way through grade school and high school, she was never, ever late again. But we were training when it didn't matter. Because when it doesn't matter, they're more likely to listen. And, you know, you can focus on stuff. When you're a lot of times we're trying to do a lot of the training and correction in the heat of battle. You know what I'm talking about, right? And the problem is when you're doing that, nobody hears very clearly. Now, I get it. We all get caught in the heat of battle, and you got to deal with it the best you can. But my best advice for someone who's uh, been through parenting is don't, don't train on on game day. Try and train when, uh, when the heat is not on, okay? So, we've got to train. Don't stop parenting too soon, especially with teenagers. Just when they get 12 or whatever, older, they can take care of themselves. You want to start relaxing. Don't start relaxing. Stay engaged all the way through. Uh, two, uh, when it comes to difficult issues, my advice is j just do it. Now, I've always had parents come up to me and say, can you tell us how to talk to our kids about difficult issues? I go, no. I have no magic. I don't know. Now, there's probably people who do. You might want to buy their books. I don't have the answer to that stuff. My best advice, when you deal with difficult stuff, just do it. Running from is not going to help you. Well, I got to talk to my kids about this, that, or the other, sex, or other. What do you, just, just do it. Suck it up, buttercup. It'll be fine. You know, just get involved. 
oftentimes dealing with issues that nobody wants to deal with and putting it off is just going to create problems later. I remember once, again with Leslie, <laughs> she was a rather dramatic child. <laughs> you could never tell if she was, when she cried, if she was just upset or she lost an arm. It was very difficult. She only had one volume. That was it. Either quiet or full-blown, deep-throated screaming. And it was because a fly landed on her. I mean, I'm serious. That was, we were nice people, my wife and I. We're young. We're nervous wrecks. Every time she'd fall, ah, what happened now? I'll never forget when Phil came along. We went, look, he cries like a normal baby. And Debbie, she says, watch this. And she'd pick up Phil and go, and he just started laughing at him. And she'd go, and then the kid would start crying. She'd start laughing. I said, stop that. He's going to have psychological problems for heaven's sake. <laughs> but not the red, the little redhead man. She was all the time. I remember one time she came in screaming bloody murder. Oh, what happened now? She had a thorn in her finger. <laughs> she just screaming. But I said, okay, okay, okay. Come here, come here. And I grabbed her head. She goes, well, don't touch it. See, that's the way we are with issues. They can't be different. We don't want to touch it, but you can't fix it if you don't touch it. Well, it hurts. Sometimes it hurts. You know, sometimes you get it just right the first time. Sometimes you're digging around, making it worse. You know, it's just, just do it. Best way, you got a difficult issue, face it head on. Uh, you'll be fine. Uh, number three, and this is a challenge for, for a lot of people. If you're going to have teenagers in your house, you just got to get comfortable with conflict. Oh, by the way, when you're training your kids, I forgot this point, uh, you know they're going to turn into teenagers. Start warning them. <laughs> Seriously, start warning them. It really helps. Because at 9 and 10, they still like you. And they think you're really smart. And then they become 15, and you're the stupidest thing ever on earth. So what you say is, you know, pretty soon you're going to be teen. Yeah. I said, and, and you're going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, no, oh yeah, you will. And you're going to experience this, and you're going to feel this, and you start warning them. Anna. So when they start, start flipping, I said, remember, remember, I told you you think you'd feel, <sighs> you know, it helps a little bit. But anyway, number three, don't stop parenting too soon. Just deal with the difficult issues. Don't think you have to do it perfectly, because you just don't. You just need to do it. And three, get comfortable with conflict. Get comfortable with conflict. You, you can't possibly deal with a kid that's going to give you and, and give you trouble and, and melt because there's conflict. And there's uh, people who can't handle conflict. And I get that. There's some people, some of you listening right now, by nature, are very peace-natured people. If we were talking about uh, uh, temperaments and stuff like that, we, actually, I should do that on some of these Wednesday nights, just talk about different temperaments. But one of the major temperaments is just peaceful temperaments, and they, they don't like Conflict, and it's coming glued. And, uh, but, you know, you'll be fine. You got, you got to do it. Get comfortable with conflict. No one's going to die because people are fighting. You know? Now, if you fight hard enough, someone will die. You know? But there's a long way between people getting upset and someone taking out a gun and shooting somebody. There's a big gap in there. Don't immediately assume because there's conflict that all oh, the world's coming into an end. Because you know, then you'll just want to give in to your kids just for the sake of peace, right? But what's going to happen is at the end, you won't have any peace. Does that make any sense? The more, you know, it's like 
you know, when, we, when there's crazy people around the world and nobody wants to do anything about it. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better until you go over and bomb the snot out of them or something, you know, or send in troops. And, oh, now there's peace. And everything's peaceful again. All right? Uh, it's not a political statement, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Historically, the last president was very much, you know, with the Middle East, well, let's just try and reason with them. <laughs> How'd that work out? They're cutting off heads. It got insane. The next one came in, crazy or not, he started bombing the snot out of them. And you know what? It's really quiet over there now. And there's not, all, there's not heads being cut off. And there's all of a sudden, you know, now you can argue about whether or not it's the right way to do it. All I'm saying is, if you don't deal with stuff sometimes, it only gets worse. Don't be afraid, you know, that, you know, oh, we can't have any peace. You know, everybody's really quiet. And, you know, just, I remember when a lady came into my office. She's got tears streaming down her cheeks. And I said, what's wrong? He said, Pastor, I have a confession. And then, you know, now you're ready for anything, right? Because we hear it all. You have no idea. I have a confession. I said, what's that? She says, I yell at my children. And I went, and? She looked at me and said, that's it? What? You yell at your children? Yes. Do they need to be yelled at? Yes, they do. Then yell at them. What do I care? You know, just... She was shocked. Just all the girls in my Bible study said that was wrong. Now, this is a woman talking to me. She's this Italian. You know, Latinos, Italians, we're all a little nuts. And she said, I said, the girls in your Bible study said it was wrong. Yeah, she's been in tears and she's guilty. I said, are your kids upset because you yell? No. Is your husband upset that you yell? No. Well, then yell. But they said it's wrong. I said, let me ask you a question. These girls in your Bible study. She said, yeah. Are they all blonde with blue eyes? <laughs> and from, you know, Scandinavian-like kind of descent. She looks at me and goes, well, yeah, how'd you know? I said, sweetheart, that's just the way they deal with things, you know. It's, everyone doesn't have to be like that. I mean, some of these people, I've been in these countries. They're nice countries. Sweden, we've been up there. Lithuania, this one's from Lithuania. You know. These people have their... Personality surgically removed at birth, you know, so they don't get mad about anything. And <laughs> you know, just conflict is conflict. Deal with it the best you can. No one's going to die. Now you got to work with your family. If they can't handle, handle you yelling, then it's fine. You know, I... <laughs> now the redhead, she could give it as, as well. She could take it, you know what I'm saying? But then I got this new lady in my life. And apparently they don't yell. Who doesn't yell? In my family, everybody yelled. It, it's how we shared love. <laughs> we all yell at each other. I'd have friends come over, and by the end of the day, they were like a nervous wreck. So what's wrong with you? You all hate each other. We don't hate each other. You said he was an idiot. He is an idiot. Who cares? He's my brother. But I mean, we're, you know, we're Latina. We're loud. Apparently, we express ourselves very passionately. That's not yelling. It's talking. So I was having 
a discussion. <laughs> Apparently an intense discussion with this blonde over here. And she goes, oh, what was that? We don't do that. And I'm thinking, we don't? No! Really? No yelling? Oh, of course, she wasn't yelling. I'm yelling, telling you what she said. It was quiet, whispering, but very intense. We don't do that. So I'm trying to learn this. And it's really hard. It's like I got all this repressed rage in me now. I don't know. I just... <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just teasing her. All right. But yeah, there's no loud talking in our you know, situation anymore. I got, I've got to learn to quietly express myself. And I, yeah, I know, I, I, I'm afraid I'll go mad. Anyway, and if you find me in a nut house somewhere, you know it went too far. So, uh, so anyway, uh, don't quit parenting too soon. Just deal with it. You don't have to be a professional. You don't even need to read books. So I just, just deal with it best you can. God will give you the grace. Get comfortable with conflict. When you stand against bad behavior, you're going to have conflict. It'll be fine. No one's going to die. Okay? Uh, having said that, number four, you know, be careful not to be overly harsh. We read this in Colossians, the third chapter, verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they become discouraged. I love the King James Version better. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. I'm thinking, what is he talking about? They're the ones who make me mad. And then I start talking very loud. But apparently we can provoke them to anger. We can frustrate them to no end. If you squeeze too hard, if you push too much. Uh, five, and there's only six of these, I think. Uh, you know, use common sense. You know, think it through. Think it through. Some of the stuff that we do is just, some parents is like, Come on, come on, think it through. Now, most of, you know, the single greatest temptation for the vast majority of teenagers is going to be sex. You all understand that, right? It's, it's just, you know, their hormones are raging. <sighs> you know, just buzzing all day long. <clears throat> you, know, I, I, you know, you guys remember you were in high school, right? And, and some pretty girl next to you would just cross her legs, and, and then you couldn't hear anything for an hour. You couldn't hear anything the teacher said. All you had in your ears, there's there's nothing on your notes, okay? This is what they're going through. So they're gonna need a little extra care, okay? Pay attention to them. Pay attention to what they're doing, where they're going, who they're hanging out with. Don't let them just be off by themselves. For the opposite sex, we had a rule in our home. You never go into your bedroom with someone of the opposite sex. I just want to show my... ah, ah, ah. If I was with her, it would be... (laughs) The other one was... No! Never! My son says, Well, what if there's a fire and and she's the only one who could save me? I said, Then you're going to (laughs) die. Nobody goes in there, ever. And letting them alone by themselves, hours on end, just use your brain. It doesn't... (laughs) 
you're going to mess with the iris because I'm going out here where there's no light. <laughs> Camera talk. Hello, Aaron. How are you, sweetie? Right, come here. Come here. All right. Andy. Oh, no. Oh, oh goodness. Let's go where there's a light. Oh, okay, because the camera people are freaking out because I'm not in light here. There's a little bit more here, but not much. Okay. Now, just honestly, answer honestly. Would you allow him to spend hours upon hours upon hours alone with another woman? Heck no. You wouldn't? Really? You're not very trusting. <laughs> well, you know, it's absurd, right? Now, they're grown adults, and the same here. I'm pretty sure that would not be okay with you if she's with hours and hours. Oh, we're just watching movies. Oh, we're just hanging out. You wouldn't tolerate that. Why? Because you have a brain. <laughs> now, stop and think about this. The number of parents who allow their kids to do that, they're not using their brains. They allow their kids in scenarios they would never let themselves in as adults. And they're smart, and they're intelligent, and they have responsibilities, and they make commitments, and they wouldn't allow that. But yet, parents just like this, and I'm hoping you don't guys do this, but <laughs> let their kids do this all the time. Okay, sit down. All right. And, 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 and no boyfriends, okay? <laughs> Are you following me? Adults wouldn't do this. But they do it with their kids all the time. I had one lady in the church, she was all upset because they found out that her son was having sex with her, with her girlfriend. So well, that's, that's, you know, it's not the end of the world, but you know, it's gonna be problematic. I said, well, well, what was the deal? And so I find out that what, what they did is they would let him stay, the two of them would come over to watch movies. In the basement, in the dark, for hours on end. Would you check on him? Well, yeah. How, well, I'd knock on the door. <laughs> if you knock on the door, you, you just need medication. There's something wrong with you. You know how many parents do this? Well, it was their bedroom. No, 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 until they start paying for it, it ain't nothing. All right? It's my bedroom. No, I get it. You don't want to walk in there or buck naked, but you don't even there with somebody else anyway. And then, of course, this happens, and they're all devastated. Well, what th do you think was going to happen? What do you think would happen if your husband was down there with another woman? Well, I'd never allow that. Then why are you doing this to a teenager? Think it through. Use your brain. I was, with, I was out west, and I was talking to this pastor, and he's, you know, and, you know, he's at the conference and stuff, and he's talking about his kids, you know, and he showed me his teenage daughter. And I mean, she is dropped dead, gorgeous. You know, I may be sanctified, but I ain't petrified. You know what I'm saying? I was like, <coughs> holy cow. I said, wow, where's she at today? Oh, she's back at the house with her boyfriend. And I look at him and say, really? Oh, yeah, every Saturday they come over and they close the door and they do homework all day long. <laughs> For like six hours. Every Saturday. I'm sure they're doing homework, all right. Anatomy 101. <laughs> and I remember looking. I couldn't say anything because I'm a guest, you know, and I got it. But I'm looking at him and I'm smiling and I'm thinking, how can you be so stupid and still breathe? I mean, he was sharing this. Like, 
Oh, oh, they're just doing their homework in there. Oh, come on! At some point, you got to be smarter than this. Use your brain. Number six, be real. Be real with your kids. Don't be phonies, okay? I've seen Christian parents who have issues, and, they, and, they, and they're phonies. You know, even over like simple little issues like smoking. Yeah, they smoke, but they don't want the pastor to know that they smoke. So whenever the pastor comes over, they're cleaning everything up like that. Your kids see this. You don't be a phone. If you're going to smoke, smoke. What do I care? What's well, a sin? Says who? Now, it's stupid. I will concede. But where in the Bible is that? Well, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about having sex with prostitutes. Okay? And don't do that. He's not talking about smoking or taking vitamins or exercising or whatever else. You got issues? Just be honest and real. Don't be phony because your kids see you being phony. You and mom yelling at each other. And somebody calls. Hi, how you doing? Oh, yeah, good, good. Praise the Lord. Okay, great. Don't do that. You know, be honest. Be real. Uh, if you make mistakes and if you're a parent, chances are 99.99999% you're going to make mistakes. We, nobody gets this right all the time. Nobody does. Sometimes we, we don't pay attention when we should. We get mad when we shouldn't. We, you know, you're going to make mistakes. If you make mistakes, just be real with your kids. You know, you know, I'm sorry. Many times I said to my kids, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have re reacted the way I did. And so I mean, you know, just be real. That's very, very important. Oh, number seven. Who put these noodles together? It was me. Five things, and there's seven things listed. I don't know why any of you come here. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> apparently there's number seven. So, so number one, don't stop parenting too soon. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't train on game day. Number two, deal with the difficult issues. You don't got to have all the answers. Number three, get comfortable with conflict. Don't freak out and collapse because somebody's getting You'll be fine. Number four, uh, don't overdo it. Don't be too harsh. Number five, use common sense. Use your brain. Uh, uh, number six, don't be a phony. Be real. And then finally, number seven in my five-point message. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, find, pray. Pray for your kids. Pray for Just pray. Watch out for them. And be real specific in the challenge that they're having, the struggles that they're having, and the conflict that you're dealing with and stuff. And, and ask God to intervene and, and do whatever he has to do. When the kids were teenagers, I fasted uh, one meal a week. That doesn't sound like a lot, but I like to eat. Uh, but uh, every week, uh, usually on Friday, and I would just pray. Instead of eating, I would just pray for them. and saying, God, get a hold of them. Watch them. Keep them out of trouble. And, and he did. Now, sometimes, you know, prayers take, got to do something that you're not really expecting, but you got to hang in there. I remember... Uh, I don't know what, Phil was 17 maybe? I don't know, whatever it was. And he's, you know, he's quite the pretty boy. All the girls loved him. And they don't, man, our house was like a gaggle of chicks everywhere. They'd all go, they come like five or six at a time. Is Phil home? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I was robbed as a child. 
I never had gaggles of chicks coming over to my house. Is Mark home? But Pretty Boy apparently was very popular. And, and I could tell, this is, I'm telling you, these are heavy temptations, and it's messing with his head. I could feel that his faith was pulling away from God. And I remember praying very sincerely. Say, God, do whatever you got to do to get his attention. Whatever you got to do. And he knows I know what that means. I prayed that that morning. That night, he was off going somewhere. Who knows? And uh, we just lay down to bed. And uh, all of a sudden, the phone rang. And it was the police. And uh, he had, no, no, it was Phil. He, he says, Dad, uh, we were in a car wreck. Of course, that freezes your heart, right? And uh, I said, uh, are you okay? He said, yeah. I said, what happened? Well, I totaled the car. And I said, you totaled the car. This, by the way, was my white BMW. I love that little car. <laughs> he says, I totaled. I said, Phil, you totaled it. Yeah. Phil, do you know what it means to total a car? Yeah, I think so. He was, he was so calm. That's his mother's side, not for me. I would have been talking very loudly. So I told him, oh, Deb, come on, we got to go. He says he totaled that car. We got out there, side of the road. That car looked like an accordion. I don't know how fast he was going, but he went flying off the road, crashed through a tree, broke the tree into pieces, and it was laying when, when we saw it, our knees collapsed. I don't know if you've ever felt that sensation before where you see something and you'll see people falling and stuff. Your knees absolutely, uh, it must be some emotional reaction. It actually, I had to catch myself because my knees were giving out. Because I think, oh my gosh, where is he? Surely he is really, really hurt. And police let us over and, and uh, said, well, you know, they're, they're at the hospital. And, ugh. I mean, you're horrified, and, and, it, and it was my BMW. Anyway, so we, we get to the hospital, and, and he's just standing there. He's got a little scratch on his forehead with a Band-Aid on it. Are you okay? Yeah. What happened? I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Just a scratch on his forehead. I'm telling if you could see the picture, I would, he must have, I don't know, there must be pictures of that somewhere. I mean, it was bad. I'm not making this up. He should not have been walking. And he said, and I remember looking at him and said, Phil, you need to ask yourself something. Do you think God was trying to get your attention? And he just stared at me. And the next Sunday, man, he was up front, getting his heart right with God. And he's been on the straight and narrow ever since, you know. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you got to sacrifice your BMW, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I would rather have that any day than his heart get pulled away from Jesus. You know, pray for your kids. I'm not saying pray your kids get in terrible accidents. I'm just saying pray, God, do whatever you got to do to keep their attention. Let them know that you love them. You can do all kinds of nice ways of doing this. I'm just telling you that happened to be our story. But uh, at the end of the day, you need to pray for your kids. There's a lot of stuff out there. Pray for wisdom. Pray for understanding. It is a stressful time. Uh, but you'll be fine. That's what I'm saying. Get comfortable with conflict. Uh, you can do this. And you know what? Get advice from other people who've done it. You know what I'm saying? Talk to other couples who've actually raised kids. 
Oftentimes, you know, people go to people for advice that never have done anything. Why would you do that? Do you know people who've never done anything don't know what they're talking about? <laughs> they, they don't. Go to people who have actually done it and say, I know you guys have been down this. You've been through this. What did you do? How did you? And then pray for each other. Encourage each other. And be, be a bigger family. That's the nice thing about being part of a church is at some level, you really shouldn't have to do this by yourself at all. All right? You're going to have to carry the load, burden of it, but you don't have to be alone. And, uh, and let's just trust God that we will raise really healthy kids. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. Uh, help us, Lord, to have strong families so that we can have a strong church, so we can advance the kingdom of God and do wonderful things. Thank you for your wisdom and patience. And we pray for those getting baptized over in Stevens Point. Great blessings on them. Thank you for new lives turning to Christ. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Amen.